to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word for our encouragement to that truth that our God wins over and through the plans of men is taken from our gospel reading. The Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 47 to 57. Plans are important. Whether you're building a house or preparing for an important basketball game. What are the rules? What are the building codes? What will happen if we don't do a certain thing? Are we ready for the unexpected? If something is really important, then good plans are a must. Our God wins over and through the plans of men. Let's look at the need for a plan first by the Jewish leadership. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. Obviously, the, whatever plans the Jewish leaders had to stop Jesus wasn't working. Jesus was continually getting more and more popular. He was doing more and more miracles in which they call signs. Signs that they were afraid that if he continued to do them, Jesus would become seen as more than just a mere good man, but maybe something very special to the Jewish people. Then, we have the seemingly last straw. Here is the situation that I think you all, or most of you at least, will recognize. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went back to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Yes, this is the account where Jesus raises his good friend Lazarus, who had died three days before that. Great. Amazing miracle. I mean, what could be more powerful than that? Exactly. And that's precisely the problem. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Now, don't dismiss this worry of the uh, Sanhedrin lightly because um, it was a good and a useful kind of a thing to worry about. For you see, from the unbelieving Jewish leader's perspective, you know, their position was at stake. And more than that, the temple. I mean, Jerusalem itself and the Jewish nation could possibly at stake here also. Now, indeed, these men may have been blind to some extent, especially spiritually, but they weren't stupid. They understood what would happen if there was a full-blown political revolt against the Romans. The Romans would mass their armies and attack Jerusalem, 
and destroy the temple, destroy Jerusalem, and kill multitudes of people. Now, if you laugh at that or kind of shrug your shoulders and think, yeah, right, that did happen. In about 40 years from this time, in 70 A.D., the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem and killed so many people in the temple that the historian Josephus said it was like uh, a, a river of blood flowing down the temple steps. So this Jesus, who some were calling the king of the Jews, gets more and more popular by doing things like raising people from the dead. I mean, who wouldn't believe in those kinds of miraculous kinds of signs? I mean, at least among the more simple people. Not, not them, of course. But this multitude of people that would come to believe they may make him king and revolt, and then we'll lose our lives and the people of Jerusalem and maybe of, of lots of, of Israel will lose their lives. So we're just not trying to save our own necks here, um, but they're trying to save their form of worship and their temple. Let's look at a, the need for a plan by our God. The situation and the problem are tra is tragic, yet quite straightforward, and you know it well. We learned it in catechism. We learned it in grade school. You can finish the sentences if you like. The soul that sins, it shall die. All have sinned and yet God wants all people to be saved. You have, all, you have those scriptural truths that sin is serious, so serious that the soul that sins, the person that sins shall die, not just die a physical death, but die eternally. And everyone is caught up in this. See, we're part of that all. And yet, God deeply desires all people to spend an eternity with him. I mean, he created humans for that purpose. Right? In the first place, the Garden of Eden was perfect. Sadly, that did not work. It didn't last very long because we also have a God who is totally just. Now, you can be angry with Adam and Eve if you want. That, that is, if, if you don't sin on a regular basis or maybe don't sin for a day or an hour. See, we've got a major problem. Uh, just because everybody else has that same problem doesn't make your problem and my problem any less serious and dangerous. We deserve God's punishment. We deserve a place in hell. We've got a problem worse than having the Romans, or people like the Romans, attack and destroy us. At the same time, at the same time, God loves you deeply 
and loves you dearly. With that, a type of love the New Testament calls agape. He chose to love us. He'll always love us. And there's nothing that can take away that love that he has for us and his determination to show that love and to share that love. He truly wants all people to be saved, to be rescued from sin and death and punishment. Even those who arrested and plotted and planned and persecuted Christ and saw that he was crucified. So obviously there is a a need for a plan. So one, one or someone needs to come up with that plan. So we have the development of a plan, first by the Jewish leadership. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish? Gentlemen, don't you get it by now? I mean, whether you like the guy or have reservations or not, now is the time for Jesus to die. Do you want to die? Do you want our nation, the people in our nation, everything else to die? Or have this one guy, this one ringleader, this do-gooder, this never-ending miracle man to die? Get rid of him, kill him, crucify him, and the problem is solved. Problem goes away. So far, their plan. Let's look at the development of a plan by our God. To solve this huge dilemma that we have of, of sin and hell and salvation. He, Caiaphas, did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and to make them one. See, God's amazing plan of love and sacrifice through Jesus' innocent death was not some, you know, quick come up with something because we got a problem here. It was not in reaction to the plan and the plot of the Jewish leaders. No. This plan was put together in eternity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Out of sincere love for the lost, developed this plan. And a crucial part of this plan was for Jesus to take on human flesh and walk this earth, be tempted, but resist every temptation to live that perfect life. But that was not enough. We, something had to be done with the sins of humans. So Jesus was going to be crucified physically, suffer there, but much more than that, suffer for the sins, the punishment that a just and righteous God was to put on us. He put that on Jesus. 
totally just, and at the same time, totally loving and totally forgiving. And yes, Jesus, God can and did use the plans of evil man. Although we cannot always understand the hows and the whys of God's plan, the plan itself is simple and obvious. And it was told time and again from Adam and Eve on. And it's true for us today. Our God wins over the plans and through the plans of men. The desired result of that plan? By the Jewish leadership. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Now the plan developed into a plot. But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found where Jesus was should report it so they might arrest him. And the plot thickens. A plot we remember in detail every year during the Lenten season. A plot of tragedy and of a traitor. A plot that always saddens because of Jesus' disciples' part in it. And our sinfulness that made this plan absolutely essential. See, that's why it's important for us to remember that our God wins. No matter how dark and lonely and hard and difficult life might be, our God wins when, if there's any doubt, just think of how he won by Jesus' death on the cross. Our God wins over and through the plans of men. The desired result of that plan by our God Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, they kept looking for Jesus. What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? See, God would use the treacherous plot and plans of unbelieving Jewish leaders and Pilate reluctantly cooperating and going along with those wishes to carry out the ultimate plan of saving all the people who have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But it happened on God's timetable. No man, how powerful or many, would change God's plans and God's timetable. And it wasn't time yet. So Jesus removed himself for a time to work with his disciples, waiting for the proper time, the exact time, the fullness of time. Would it happen this year? Was this the year? Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, when he had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Oh, how Satan must have enjoyed that news, right? It was going to come, finally. Finally, Jesus would be killed. Finally, Jesus would be out of the way Forever. How sad it must have been for Jesus' disciples to to hear hear this news that that Jesus was going to be 
not only killed, crucified, that, that horrible, shameful way on a cross? He, he's done nothing. How can this be? What kind of a God do we have that would do this? Maybe you felt those feelings from time to time. Those feelings of, of hopelessness and utter helplessness. Wondering what in the world is God going to do? Had to be done. There was no other way. I'm, Jesus asked, Heavenly Father, is there another way that this cup of suffering, I do not need to drink it, and there was no other way. Well then, not, not my, this human will that isn't looking forward to this, what I know is going to happen, but, but your will be done. That will that we decided on in eternity, let it happen. I am ready for that. Thankfully, we know how this all ends, right? The sadness ends, the tears are dried, joy returns to hearts because Jesus does not remain dead. Easter is coming. Jesus will be alive again. And that's part of this whole plan. God wants all people to be saved, so God worked out a plan that that would happen. And he worked out that plan over and through the plans of men. The price to pay was unimaginable, but God's plan was clear. And God's plan was shared with the disciples. And he urged them to listen, as he urges us to listen. And as we listen, may we have heavy, repentant hearts. Listening to God's loving plan. Jesus took the twelve aside, this is from Luke 18, and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. And they will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. To which we say with thankful and gracious hearts, thank you, God, for loving us so much. God, use us to share this most marvelous, remarkable plan that our God wins over and through the plans of men with the people you put around us. Our God wins. Because of that, we win. Our God wins over the plans and through the plans of many. And as he did that when Jesus watched, so he does today, and never forget that. Our God wins. And because of that, we win. And because of that, we have a place in heaven. Of that we will be grateful for eternity. That's God's plan. Amen.